everybody, and welcome to The Imitator Podcast, where we're discussing how to become more like Jesus, one topic at a time. I'm here with my co-host, Jeremy Sutherland, and my name's Curtis Henry. Hey, y'all. We're here today, uh, continuing our series, and we're going to be discussing the essentials of the faith, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, last week we kind of started out on the need for unity in the church, what God, what Jesus prayed for in John 17, his call for there to be unity in the body, you know, and, and looking around at everything that's going on, there's so much divisiveness and yeah. division and man, like just to get to the, back to the heart of, of God, we, we need, we need that brotherly unity. So um, yeah, you know, I, I I think I mentioned last week, but I, I, a phrase came across my desk and it really kind of struck me and made me look at my own faith and what I believe. And and um, it was a, it was that phrase from Rupertus Melod—I forgot Mel, Melodinus, I guess is how you say his name—but <laughs> from back in the in the 1627. So it, the the quote goes as this: "In essentials, unity; in non-essentials, liberty." And in all things, charity. Uh, and so, I guess you know, last week was the call for unity in the church. But but to have unity, we have to unite around something. There there needs to be unity, or else it's just this conglomerate of blah, right? So <laughs> yeah, we can't just say we're united. I mean, I just think like, oh, if you went into a a club. Or you you went into a room and there was these people and and you just hey what are you guys doing here oh we're a club mm-hmm. okay yeah like a soccer club or like what <laughs> yeah. what is it you're just you so I mean I think today we're kind of focusing on outlining what the essentials are for that what we believe the essentials are to the best of our ability um, here right yeah so yeah. So we and these are things we we believe that the church should have unity on that that these that we that that the church as a whole should unite on these things. So we I guess the way that we're kind of we're going at this and you know it's been it's been a struggle week trying to like oh man wrestling with a lot of things. So the best way that we kind of approached this was just reading reading our own uh, Harvest Bible Church or Harvest Church um, statement of faith. Yeah. And uh, kind of going through that. So, Curtis, do you want to hit us up on the first line of that statement of faith? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the first line is, we believe that there is one living and true God, eternally existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, equal in power and glory. This triune God created all, upholds all, and governs all. Yeah. So, so the Trinity isn't found. That word Trinity isn't found in the Bible, but the, but we see the the fingerprint of the Triune God throughout Scriptures. Right. As we read through it, so three, you know, one God. Like that's, I think, um, there it's it's hard to wrap our mind around the Trinity about this around this Triune God, but we believe that there is one God, but yet there's three distinct persons within that Godhead, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, how they and each, without that. Um, we are either polygamous, yeah, or not polygamous. No, I'm not polygamous. <laughs> uh, poly- uh, polytheist. Polytheist. Thank you. <laughs> I was yeah. gonna say polyamory, but no, that's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. poly something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but we believe you know there's one God, three persons within it. Um, Jeremy, you want to read the next line? 
Yeah, let me. Uh, yeah, it says um, we believe that the scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the Word of God, fully inspired and the infallible rule for faith and practice. Um, yeah, this is. I feel like this is a a hot button thing right now. I was watching a video yesterday and today about the a new form of Christianity that's really that doesn't accept the full counsel of God, that doesn't accept the Old and the New Testament. They basically are functioning off of only the acts and the teachings of Jesus, which are great in themselves, but the Bible is so much richer when understood in the full context of everything. And um, so I think, you know, they're missing out on a lot of Obviously, a lot of God-inspired scripture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were those like I've heard that those them called uh, the red-letter Christians? Yeah. Um, I, he the video called the mere Christianity, but I I equate that with C.S. Lewis's book. And I anyway, I think that's a bad way to think about it because C.S. Lewis was rock solid in my opinion. So <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but we were going to read a little bit from uh, kind of on this, we were going to read a little bit from progressive Christianity's uh, yeah, website. Yeah. So in 2011. Yeah. So there, there's an article, you know, I mean, it's not, I won't even say it's article. If you go to progressive Christianity.org, um, they have their kind of belief statement and they have eight points and we're, we're not going to go through them all. I don't, I don't feel like we need to. Um, but you know the the way that they view the scriptures is very different than than we do. Um, yeah. So let, let me read the first one from from progressivechristian.com or .org. It says, uh, "One believe that following the path and teachings of Jesus can lead to an awareness and experience of the sacred and the oneness and unity of all life." So following this path of teachings of Jesus can lead one to an awareness. And, and that's the awareness, awareness and experience of the sacred. Um, and so it's this kind of um, gushy path. Um, they, they continue on a few times to call it a journey. Uh, mm-hmm. The second point, affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but only one of many ways to experience the sacredness and, and oneness of life and that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom on our spiritual journey. That's hmm. that's taking the word of God, you know, from the Old and New Testament as not fully authoritative or sufficient and that we can look outside the word of God for these other ways to experience God and learn about God and and that and the first part of it that Jesus provides one way to experience you know, sacredness and oneness of life, um, which obviously just cheapens the whole gospel down. And I think this part of the reason why we want to bring this out is like, this is why it's so important that we need to know what we unite around as Christians, right? Yeah. Like seeing things like this, we need to know, okay, what are our, what are our essentials? Yeah. Um, yeah. So really good. And so, yeah. And to hit off that, you know, that the that the word of God is inspired, it's infallible, it's uh, it doesn't have any errors within it, mm-hmm. and it's it's authoritative in our life, um, and it's sufficient as well. It's not mm-hmm. progress like the Bible. The word of God doesn't progress; it is sufficient as it was written and completed in those sixty six books. And you know, there's 
I've been reading a, a number of guys, and there's been a lot of attacks against the Word of God recently, mm-hmm. and about about the Scriptures, about being them, you know, being reliable sources. And um, reading from a, a guy, I watched another video recently by Vody Bauckham, and he he says this reason why he believes in the Bible, and I'm like, whoa, that, that is the most concise, best reason. He he says that the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, and they report supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim that their writings were divine rather than of human origin. And he points to the fact that when the Bible was written, it was um, it was falsifiable. So there were over 300 believers during this time. Um, there was 500 witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so you could have gone to one of those people and say, hey, did that actually happen? And they they could either say, no, that didn't happen. I didn't see that. Or they could claim, yes, I know actually that did happen. So it was like this, when it was written, it was, it was falsifiable. And then we have over 6,000 evidences from manuscript uh, from the New Testament. Um, you lay that on top of... Uh, Archaeology, we have 25,000 archaeological sites that point to mm. scripture being, you know, true. Yeah, all consistent. All right? consistent. Yeah. So it's just like we have this groundwork of, of the old, te- you know, of what the word of God is given to us on our laps and the manuscript evidence. And, you know, if you can't believe the Bible as we as we have it in front of us now, then it's it's like, man, can you believe anything? Right. Yeah, so so important for for the essentials of our faith. Um, this next part, we believe in God the Father, an infinite personal spirit, perfect in holiness, wisdom, power, and love, that he concerns himself mercifully in the affairs of his people, that he hears and answers prayer, and that he saves from sin and death all who come to him through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And once again, that's revealed through the Word of God, the mm-hmm. Old and New Testament, about who God the Father is. Yeah, I mean, so important for each each one of these points in here, uh, for Him to be a infinite personal Spirit. I mean, if He was not infinite, and if He was not personal, I mean, <laughs> you're obviously disregarding what the Bible says. Yeah, but also you're talking about the character of God and and how we view God. That what's the quote? Uh, what we believe about God is is the most important thing about us. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think these are so key. Yeah. So the next point down in our st- a statement of faith is on Jesus, and it says we believe that Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we believe his virgin birth, sinless life, miracles, and teachings, his substitutionary atoning death, bodily resurrection, resur- sorry, bodily resurrection. Ascension into heaven, uh, perpetual intercession for his people, and personal visible return to earth. Um, I mean, what you believe about Jesus, I I think, is one of the most important questions that we'll ever have to face in our life. Any 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 person. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus didn't claim to be a way like the progressive church. You know, something Jesus can lead or provide one way. Of, of a diverse way of experiencing God. It, it, Jesus claimed in John 14, 6, I am the way, yeah. the truth, and the life. And so he claimed e- exclusivity mm-hmm. in that. And I mean, 
if anything, the church has to unite around who Jesus is and who he said he was and what he said he was going to do. Like if, if there's anything to unite on, it's that. Right. And I feel like so many pieces in this hinge on one another within scripture, Yes, you know, like conceived by the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Why is that in there? Oh man. Um, well, because if he wasn't conceived by the Holy Spirit and and had and Mary had a virgin birth, then that means his father was Joseph, and he wasn't fully God, fully man. Hmm. Um, that you know, I, I believe that God added humanity to His deity in coming to Earth, and that He'll forever be in that humanity. Um, and yeah, if you don't, if you're not conceived by the Holy Spirit, then then you're then you're just a Joe, like like you said earlier, you're just a Joe Blow, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, his sinless life. Why why is his sinless life important, Curtis? I mean, Jesus died as a, as the perfect sinless sacrifice on our behalf. So if he wasn't sinless, he he wasn't the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. Then our sins were not atoned for. And we're in a big, we're in big trouble. <laughs> yeah. And then his miracles and his teachings, you know, I've, I've heard it said that there's only three ways that you can think about Jesus, right? He was either a lunatic as in he would, whatever he was saying in his teachings and doing that he was just completely out of his, out of his mind. He didn't, he didn't have the sense to be able to really know what he was saying or what he was doing, mm-hmm. or he was a liar, meaning claiming to be equal with a father, um, claiming to do these works in, in, in God's name. Mm-hmm. He was completely lying to people and completely re- misrepresenting himself. Or you have to realize that what Jesus said and what he did lined up perfectly with who he was and the and his relationship with the Father and being God and and that he is Lord. Right. Yeah. I mean, people say like, "Oh, I believe he was a he was a good guy or he was a good teacher." Or, but how could he be those things? How could he be good if he was lying to people the whole time? Like either he was fully who he said he was or he wasn't. You know, we have to we have to come to our own conclusions about that. Yeah, and even and then goes on to say that, you know, his his bodily resurrection, like if if Jesus didn't die, then then our faith is sorry, if Jesus didn't resurrect from the dead, like then then we are just then, then that means God has no power over death, that Satan still holds that power to death yep. and that we have no hope for re- resurrection for us. And we are just the most, like Paul would say, the most pit- to be pitied in right. the world, you know? Um, I, I, you know, going back to first uh, Corinthians 15, Paul talks about what the gospel is and, he, and he's talking, he's signing this, sending this letter to the Corinthians. And he says, I, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which you also received in which you stand. And this is the gospel by which you are saved. If you hold fast the word, which I preached to you. Um, he says, for I delivered to you uh, first and foremost, that that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And once again, it keeps, he keeps bringing it back to the scriptures. This Jesus did this in fulfillment of the scriptures. Jesus talks about he did that, you know, he lived in fulfillment, mm-hmm. that, that he didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill the law. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so we believe in the Holy Spirit, who came forth from the Father and Son to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and to regenerate, sanctify, and empower 
for ministry all who believe in Christ Jesus. We believe the Holy Spirit indwells every believer in Jesus Christ and that he is an abiding helper, teacher, and guide. We believe in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit and exercise all uh, in the exercise and the exercising of all biblical gifts of the Spirit. I think you know that last part. I have friends who don't believe in the in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I, I absolutely believe that they're saved. Um, so I wouldn't count that as being an absolute essential, but. All the other aspects of the Holy Spirit, I I believe, are are essential for our faith. Yeah, yeah. You have to have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. all acting in the same mind, same character, same accord. Right. Yeah. All right. So next one. It says, um, "We believe that all people are sinners by nature and by choice, and are therefore under condemnation. That God regenerates by the Holy Spirit those those who repent." of their sins and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, we do. I, if, if we aren't sinners and that goes back to Genesis, the beginning of Genesis, the beginning of the Bible about who we are, what we were created to do and the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we don't believe that we're sinners, then we don't need a savior. We don't need a Messiah to come and save us from our sin, to take uh, the punishment, to live a perfect life you know, perfect life and thereby take on the atoning death as the lamb of God for right. our sins. Hmm. Um, and so we believe that, yeah, as Romans teaches, we are all, all people are sinners. Yeah. So, so important. Um, we believe in the universal church, the living spiritual body of which Christ is the head and all regenerated persons are the members. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's all about the church. Um, Christ is the head of the church. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and Jesus said in Matthew sixteen, um, you know, as Jesus is um, talking to his disciples, you know, they're they're talking about who other people, who who, who the what the word on the street is about who Jesus is, and 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 Jesus came down and he brought it to the question, but who do you say that I am? He's asking his disciples, and Simon Peter answers and said, "You are Christ, the Son of the Living God," and and. Jesus is like, good job, Peter, you know, blessed are you for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are a Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. So it was that not Peter is the Pope, but Peter in, in his confession, that confession of who Jesus is, that right, the that church is built on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what the church is built on. Yeah. So good. Um, and that last part of our statement of faith, Jeremy. Yeah, it says, We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ committed two ordinances to the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. We, le- we believe in baptism by immersion and communion open to all believers. So these two ordinances, baptism and uh, communion. And I believe those things are, uh, I don't know how do you say this, but but not... Not necessary to salvation, but necessary to our obedience to what God has called us to. Absolutely, um, and, and and I guess I say that because I, you know, we we talk about Luke four, uh, Luke twenty four, and the thief on the cross. Yeah, the thief on the cross didn't have a chance to be baptized. The thief on the cross didn't have to uh, take communion to, to to for salvation, but he, um, yeah, he I mean, knew Jesus, who Jesus was. Yeah, all yeah, he had. Yeah, that recognition that Jesus was God, and and yeah, I mean, he didn't 
he wasn't Jesus wasn't able to say, Oh yeah, just just hop down, I'll baptize you real quick and we'll take communion and then and then you'll be with me in paradise you yeah. know was, yeah but no, you'll thief, be with me in paradise the thief knew that that uh, jesus was getting punished for a, a sin mm-hmm. or for sins that he did not do yeah. he, he knew he was innocent and he knew that he was going lord he says lord remember me when you come into your kingdom so right there he's like he knew he was the king he was the king yeah. and he had a kingdom mm-hmm. and he was put as saying that lord master just remember me Right. Um, and Jesus said to him, "Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise." Um, so, right. are are baptism and uh, communion important? Absolutely, as an obedience to what God calls us to do. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah so we just uh, our prayer is that this is unifying, and that this gives us a framework to unify around, and not things to bicker and fight about, but things to say, okay, this is our basis and we believe this and we are brothers and sisters and we can we can overcome other things that come our way, uh, but these are the essentials that we unite around. Yeah, so uh, we just want to thank you for joining us on the Imitator Podcast where we're discussing how to become more like Jesus one topic at a time. Uh, join us next week. We're going to be talking about some of the things that aren't so essential, the non-essentials of our faith, um, but you know, the, the it's going to be great. We're yeah. really looking forward to next week. Um, and if you like this podcast, uh, please give us a thumbs up, uh, subscribe to our channel, send it to a friend, and uh, we will see you next week. Thanks so much. God bless. Have a great week.